a reading from the book of Genesis. These are the descendants of Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac was 40 years old when he married Rebekah, daughter of Bethuel the Aramean of Padan Aram, sister of Laban the Aramean. Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife because she was barren, and the Lord granted his prayer, and his wife Rebekah conceived. The children struggled together within her. She said, If it is to be this way, why do I live? So she went to inquire of the Lord, and the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples born of you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other, the elder shall serve the younger. When her time came to give birth was at hand, there were twins in her womb. The first came out red, all his body like a hairy mantle, so they named him Esau. Afterward, his brother came out with his hand gripping Esau's heel, so he was named Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. When the boys grew up, Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field, while Jacob was a quiet man living in tents. Isaac loved Esau because he was fond of game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Once Jacob was cooking a stew, Esau came in from the field, and he was famished. Esau said to Jacob, let me eat some of that red stuff, for I am famished. Therefore, he was called Edom. Jacob said, first, sell me your birthright. Esau said, I'm about to die. What use is a birthright to me? Jacob said, swear to me first. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew, and he ate and drank and rose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. This is the word of God. Thanks Thanks be to God. I've heard it said that the only thing that can be worse than not getting what you pray for is getting what you pray for. I've prayed for a lot of things, as you have, I'm sure. Sometimes the Lord has saved me from myself, and simply the answer has been no, not that. I don't always understand it, but it's happened that way. Then there are other times when I have gotten what I prayed for, and it wasn't what I imagined it being. Sometimes it's far better than I imagined. Sometimes not nearly as wonderful as I had imagined it would be. But somewhere wrapped up in all of that is the mystery of God. Ultimately, God's will will be done. Regardless of human obfuscation, human cleverness, human sin, all of these may delay, but ultimately not squelch God's will being done. I believe we need to be careful what we pray for. For for instance, when we pray the Lord's Prayer and when we say, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, We're playing with fire. 
For God's kingdom looks much, much different than where we are right now. If God's kingdom were to come as we pray, it would be as what one author called it, an upside-down kingdom. Remember, Jesus talked about the last being first. Look at the story of Jacob and Esau, the last being first. Truth is, most of us in this room, if not all of us, are, are first now. If God's kingdom would come on earth even as it is in heaven, most of what we know would be turned upside down. So be careful what we pray for. Consider the Genesis text for this morning. God answers Isaac's prayer in an interesting way. Those of us who parents who are parents know that parents pray regardless of how old our children are. And Isaac prays, and the next verse says, Voila, Rebecca got pregnant. Until we get to the end, he started praying at 40, and the baby was born at 60. It's a lot of praying, isn't it? A lot of praying. Here we have Isaac. Remember Isaac? He's the, he's the special child of the promise. That Abraham and Sarah, long, long after they had thought possible, they were given the gift of Isaac, a gift child, as all children are gifts, are they not? Mother Rebecca, she comes from good stock, from a good family, but there's nothing, nothing but barrenness, no guarantees for the future other than the promise of God, no way to secure the inheritance of the family. Once again, it looks like everything is at a dead end. While other families may be able to invent, to manage, to govern their own future, this family cannot do that. They are the family of the promise and must ultimately wait on God to fulfill that promise. Manipulation doesn't work. We've already learned that in the story of Abraham and Sarah, haven't we? So what do they do? They, they pray. Prayer occurs often in Genesis. It's the practice of nearly every major figure in this first book of the Bible. And it speaks of their pers the personal nature of their relationships with God. So after praying, praying for 20 years, a remarkable act of faith in itself, demonstrating, I believe, the importance of prayer. And Jesus talked about keep knocking at that door, keep praying. Pray without ceasing. That relentless prayer bears witness to the fact that they obviously believe that God is concerned about such matters. And not only that, God has both the resources and the inclination to do something about it. So, lo and behold, Rebecca gets pregnant. The Lord answers Isaac's prayer on behalf of Rebecca and himself, with a resounding yes. And so that prayer sets into motion something in one generation that will have profound influence on all that follow. Be careful what you pray for. It's like 
throwing a rock in a pond and those ripples keep going. And we all noticed, did we not, how the prayer of Isaac was answered? Not just one, but two twins. And as we will learn, they are anything but identical, aren't they? Then the second prayer is that of Rebecca. The paraphrased version of it goes something like this. Lord, what in the world have I gotten myself into? If it's going to be like this, I'd just as soon go ahead and die. Some of you women who've been pregnant may have been there. Little did she know. Little did she know what in the world she'd gotten into. In a great surprise, God speaks directly to Rebecca. You find that strange? You find that strange? Here in a patriarchal society, where God pretty much works through men, here God speaks to and through a woman. So stay awake. Stay awake. God speaks to and through some of the most unlikely people. Those that you might least expect. God accomplishes God's kingdom work through those we may miss if we're not awake and if we do not pay attention. And how interesting that God gives this information to Rebecca. She knows what's about to happen. Do we find it as any surprise then? That Rebecca loves Jacob more than Esau? As far as we know, she's the only one, the only one other than us, those of us who are reading this story, who are privy to this information from God. Brothers Jacob and Esau and Father Isaac are clueless. At least the text indicates, doesn't indicate that they are, that they know what's going on. And while Rebecca's favorite is Jacob, Isaac's is Esau. See any problem on the horizon here? What a blessing! Two little bundles of joy. Well, not necessarily. From from the get-go, even before they're born, there's a struggle going on. It only gets more pronounced after they're born and they grow up. So even while Rebecca is pregnant, the stage is set for conflict, for struggles, for favoritism, for deceit. Note if you will in the text that there's really no judgment of the characters. No judgment that Isaac and Rebecca are out of line for having favorites. And the brothers, well, quite honestly... It may be difficult to decide who acted worse here. Esau comes off as not the brightest bulb in the bunch, right? Not too bright. Who's careless with family interests, despises his own birthright, which promises him the largest portion of the inheritance. He just can't wait. On the other hand, Jacob can wait. But then there is Jacob who takes what I would call advantage of another person in need of 
in need of, in, in order to get what he wants. If we say that God typically uses weak instruments, if we look at both of these brothers, both of them qualify with flying colors, don't they? Which gives me hope for you and for me. If God can use Jacob and Esau and really this mess to accomplish God's purposes, then God can use you and me. It gives me hope. There's hope. The good news is, is that God can accomplish God's purposes in spite, of, in spite of human involvement, human choices, human cleverness. Anybody more clever than Jacob? In spite of human sin, in spite of human brokenness. Finally, what God wants comes to pass. Although not without failure, guilt, Seeing something on the part of nearly everybody in the story. The true miracle here is that God is able to work through this mess. People, there are messes in all of our lives, right? We look pretty good on Sunday morning. You and I clean up pretty good. But I don't know what argument you got into this morning trying to get ready to come here. Or what's happened this week that you feel broken, that has hurt you, that has wounded you, that you've not been able to work through or forgive or to, to redeem some way. Somehow, some way, God wants to and can use them for God's purposes. One of my former pastors, John Claypool, told this story some 40 years ago. A little kindergarten boy, it seems, had worked long and hard on a little piece of pottery as his, as his present to his parents for, at the end of school. On the last day of school, mom and dad showed up to pick him up because they were leaving immediately to go on vacation. And so the little boy runs excitedly to his locker, opens the door, takes that little crummy looking piece of pottery out, and in Running to mom and dad dropped it, and it broke into hundreds of pieces. And he began to cry. And dad said, son, buck up. It's no big deal. Real men don't cry. But the little boy's mother, much wiser in these things, kneeled down hugged her son tightly and said, Come on, son, let's pick up the pieces together and see what we can make of it. That's what God is saying to you and to me this morning. Perhaps you've gotten what you prayed for, and it isn't what you thought it would be. Perhaps you haven't gotten what you prayed for, and you don't know where to turn. And your life, at least a part of it, is in a million pieces, all broken on the floor. The God of Abraham, Isaac, Rebecca, Jacob, Jesus Christ, is here even now. 
to help you pick up those broken pieces. And together, it will amaze you what God can do with them. When the answer to our prayer is not what we want or expect, whether it's yes or whether it's no, don't throw in the towel. For God isn't finished. God is still at work. If the pieces are broken all around you, know that God continues to work for healing, for wholeness, for life, for God's kingdom to come on earth, even as it is in heaven. Pray with me. Oh God, do your work in our lives. May we be open. May we be able to discern. May we be willing to work with you, O oh God, to allow you to help us pick up the broken pieces all around us. in order that we might be a part of your kingdom coming. Through Christ our Lord. Amen.